Hey love, welcome to the Selfish Bay Podcast, aka Selfish Talk, hosted by me, Olenike Osi. Selfish Babe is a personal development and women's lifestyle brand dedicated to women learning how to selfishly and authentically love themselves. On this podcast, expect to have your mind expanded, curse words said, and to gain a new perspective about who the fuck you are. Let's get into it. The Selfish Babe Selfish Talk podcast is sponsored by my company, Goddess Detox. Goddess Detox is a holistic wellness company dedicated to providing women with self-love-inspired products to physically, spiritually, and emotionally detox. If you are a woman wanting to detox her ex, detox negative emotions, as well as to get more in tune with yourself and your vagina, check out our Goddess Vaginal Detox Pearls, as well as our Queen's Theme and Queen's Throne Combo, which is the in-home vaginal steam set for your convenience. You can find out more information on our products at goddessdetox.org, as well as follow at goddessdetox on Instagram. Tell them Olenike Osi sent you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I know a lot of people will be like, well, my dad's been in prison all my life. Yeah. It was traumatic for me because of the nature of how it happened. People, selfish babes, it is your girl Olenike OC here, bringing you another Selfish Babe Selfish Talk podcast. I know I've been away for a little bit, but I'm so excited to bring you this episode with my girl Siobhan. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and so Siobhan is a film and TV producer that I met here in Atlanta. And since I've met her, she has dropped so many gems for me, and I would just really want her to bless you through your ears or through your eyes with what she's about to say to you. So welcome, Siobhan. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. And so usually whenever I have a selfish babe on, I'm always asking, what past obstacle or traumatic experience have you been through? And either you have triumphant over that obstacle or you're possibly still going through that and how have you healed through that okay do you have them for us sure so i speak directly to you or to our selfish babes both back and forth i'll back and forth yeah okay (laughs) um so something a lot of people probably wouldn't know about me but it has um, really colored who i am at 10 years old my father went to federal prison Mm -hmm. um it was traumatic I know a lot of people will be like, well, my dad's been in prison all my life. Yeah. It was traumatic for me because of the nature of how it happened. Um, in my mind, we were the Huxtables. Like, there was no one. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were the Huxtables. My mom and dad. My mom stayed at home. My mom did work. Yeah. Um, my dad was my life, my world. Um, I'd never heard my parents argue mm. until that day. Um, wow. We had actually went to a... Um, a parent-teacher conference that night. And I remember my parents' bedroom was our entire um, second floor. Yeah. Um, and so I was downstairs um, with whom I later found out was uh, my bodyguard. Okay. I never knew that he was my bodyguard. Wow. I just thought that everybody had 
um, one of their dad's friends that was always with them even wow. if their parents weren't. Wow. Um, so I was downstairs with him and I just remember hearing all this banging and tussling upstairs. Mm -hmm. And I went to run upstairs and I remember he just grabbed me. The bodyguard? Yes. Yeah. And I remember just being so like upset and then I saw my mom come out. Um, they had obviously been fighting. Um, and then I went to call 911 because um, back then, like, we were in dare programs, and we were in school, and they teach you all these yeah. things, and I was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I remember um, my bodyguard ripping the phone out of the wall, yeah. and that's when I realized, like, oh, wait, something is really wrong here, yeah. um, and I remember just waiting at the bottom of the stairs. Something instinctively said, just wait here, and then my mom got out again, ran down the stairs, and grabbed me. I mean, like, I don't know how my mom, my mom was so much smaller than I am now. Yeah. I don't know how she picked me up. My mom grabbed me, threw me in the car, and then we left. Wow. Um, a few months before that, um, the feds had raided our house. Okay. I didn't know really what was going on. I just remember my mom being like, you know, just look at me. Just look at me. When they came in? Yeah, Okay. just look at me. Um, and so that's what I did. And like, oftentimes, especially in the black family, you just don't ask a lot of questions. Yeah. It's like, if, if it's done, it's done. Yeah. And if life goes back to normal, life is normal. Um, but my father was convicted on drug charges. Okay. Um, and went to prison. Um, my mother, like I said, I never even um, heard my mother and father fight before yeah. that night. Um, my father was struggling with a lot of things at that time. Um, and then my world just changed. We were living in El Paso, Texas. We had to move to um, New York and then to New That's Jersey. Different. Right, wow. and then I didn't see my dad again for, gosh, probably 15 years or something like that. So when he was in prison, you never went to go visit? It was just like, that's what he is in? He wouldn't let me. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. Right. Okay. So, um, 10, is a real transitional age. Yeah, it's a very transitional age. Um, I started my cycle when I was ten, so like so many things started yeah. to happen. I moved across the country. Yeah. Then it was just me and my mom, and we were living with my grandmother, who I really, um, I knew she was my grandmother, but like I'd never not lived with her. Yeah. Um, so it was just a lot of transition, and I think that for a girl, especially for a girl that's um, built her father up as like her world, like her first love. Yeah. That was my first love for sure. Yeah. Um, for him to just be taken away from you like that. Yeah. Like after that night, I didn't see my father. Wow. Um, and to and to and for it to be that type of situation, that is a lot for a ten-year-old girl to reconcile with. So growing up and growing through your teenage years, where you didn't have your father, were there times where you felt like I'm missing another half? Um, what would a guy do in this situation? Like, or did you see feel like you stuck out male attention during that time? Um, male attention was definitely something that was important to me. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was, um, I don't know that in my 10, 11, 12, 16 year old mind that I could reconcile that I needed my father. Um, it was just something that was very important to me. I'm an only child. Yeah. I felt like, um, my mom went from not working to having to work a lot. Yeah, that's different. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So that definitely became something that was important to me for mm -hmm. sure. And so like, how did that look? Um, I, in my mind, I've had a boyfriend probably since I was like 12. Okay. <laughs> Whether that was real or not, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I've had
had a boyfriend since I was 12. Um, when I can point to it being real, yeah. um, I've probably had a real boyfriend since I'm probably 14. Okay. Right, so it's been a good 20 solid years that I have always had a man. Okay. Right. Um, like for me, and I've told my selfish babes in the past, so growing up it was my mom and my brother. And my dad had passed away when I was a baby. I really have no, I don't really have any information on him. I saw a picture recently, probably within the last two years that she showed me. And you know, my family is Jamaican. So she was like, you know, um, he was the friend of who she was dating at the time. And she was like, oh, you know, like he was a bad man. Like, so if you say your dad, you know, was on drug charges, like he was probably doing that. Like, that's all I know. Mm -hmm. And for me growing up, it was like, I know I definitely sought male attention. You know, it's like, if, or if any guy gave me attention, I'm, I'm here. Like, right. oh, you, what, what you want? Like, I was right. like that, and I talk a lot about how when I was growing up, probably at 14, I started having sex at 14. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, I was very promiscuous and was known in the neighborhood as the girl to go to. And so for me, really book smart in, like, in school and stuff like that, but for me, it was like male attention and sex was a way to be free. Mm -hmm. I, my mom was very strict. I really couldn't go anywhere. If I had to go somewhere, it's like acts a week in advance, and the answer is still probably going to be no. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like to be able to be out a little bit or like have a guy over or like sneak around, that kind of gave me a sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I was celibate. I think I was like, I was like, well, I'm 15, 16, I'm going to be celibate or whatever. And I, and I have this whole story on another podcast episode, mm -hmm. but that's kind of like how not having my father expressed itself to me it was like, you're gonna give me the attention and I'm gonna give it to you. And that's right. how it was. Um, and it's not like that anymore. I mean, as you guys know, I'm dating a woman, but even when I was, <laughs> you know, um, in a really great relationship before my girlfriend, I was in a wonderful relationship before my girlfriend with a guy, um, I believe that I've healed from that. But, you know, I always have this thought, like, cause you know, sometimes with moms, they're like, oh, well, I'm gonna be the mom and a dad for you. I don't believe they can. No. I know they try, but I, I, don't th I don't think they can. A woman cannot instinctively teach a boy how to become a man, nor can she give a girl what she needs from a man. Yes, I agree So single mothers do a great job. Kudos to all the single moms. Mm -hmm. But there is not anything in a woman that can show, that can substitute for a man. Mm -hmm. And I, I know some people probably feel differently, but there's woman and man for a reason. And I'm yeah. not, this isn't a... Um, like, you know, God created man for woman. That's not this type of statement. What I'm saying is we're different for a reason. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd have all been the same. Yes. So there's something innately not in a man that's in a woman and innately in a woman that's not in a man. A hundred percent. I like that. So growing up without your dad, um, were there times where you're just like, man, I wish my dad was here. He would have taught me this. Or, you know, were there times you ever felt like you really, really felt that he wasn't there? Like you knew he wasn't there, but you heard the times where you felt like he really wasn't there. You know, I didn't feel like that so much as a child. Mm -hmm. I felt like that as I became an adult. Mm -hmm. um, I've written this entire series about how daughter, fatherless daughters date, mm -hmm. and it is a it is a, a really interesting thing. Um, <laughs> in, in my humble. <laughs> okay. Um, based on my experience, yeah. so that's what it's based on, obviously. Yeah. Um, for me, and I, we spoke about this off camera, protection is such a big thing for me. Hmm. And as I go back and I trace all of my steps, I realize when you grow up with a bodyguard, 
whether you know it or not, protection becomes a thing for you. Yeah. So every man I was with instantly became a protector for me. Hmm. It was like, you were supposed to protect me. Yeah. And you were supposed to protect me physically, and you were supposed to protect my heart and my emotions, and I put all of that on them. Hmm. So the things that a girl typically wants from a father, yeah. I wanted it all from my partner. Ah. So you were responsible for all of the things that my father didn't do. And I never spoke it. I never mm. knew that's what it was. Mm. But as I became more aware of myself, that's what it was. Hmm. So having that realization and knowing that, how did you change the way that you date or the way that you interacted with men? You know, it wasn't anything. I wish, I wish I could say like I came to this like retreat and I had this feeling, <laughs> and then like I was shown the light yeah. and I just started affirming myself. And yeah. that's just not my story. Yeah. Um, I have to wholeheartedly credit my partner now, um, and not in a, not in a like seeking out approval or like, oh, he's so great and I worship at the altar of him because he's got like a button and he pushes the hell out of that shit sometimes. I mean, like some days I'd be like, bruh, you gotta get off this button. Um, I say that he's my soulmate in the sense that he changed my soul. Soulmates don't always Fuck, make- we gotta pause that. <laughs> we gotta like pause and rewind. <laughs> she says that he's her soulmate in the way that he changed her soul. Yeah. Wow, now that is a different perspective I've ever heard of anybody talk about a soulmate. Take them from that. <laughs> um, to me, a soulmate doesn't always make for a life partner. Mm -hmm. um, I got lucky that I feel like my soulmate is my life partner. Yeah. Um, but I've been very honest before that you can have loves before or after your soulmate that are on a romantic level of yeah. your love. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make them a soulmate mm -hmm. or a life partner. Mm -hmm. It was what you needed in that moment. Yes. Um, and he came into my life at a time where I needed him in that moment. I needed what he had to teach me in that moment. Yeah. So he was one of the first people I met when I moved to Atlanta. Okay. I moved to Atlanta, I, I don't advise this necessarily, but I moved to Atlanta not knowing anyone. Yeah. I just decided like, I'm moving and I'm moving in six weeks. Yeah. And everybody should get on board or not, I'm doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did. And he was one of the first people I met, but we didn't date for, gosh, a year. Wow. And so what would happen was he used to call me another name. And so like every like every year or so, he would reach out to me or I'd reach out to him and just be like, what's going on? Yeah. And that would be that. Um, and then one day he called me like, and he was like, let's go to dinner. And we've been having dinner together ever since. Wow. But he, I credit him in making my switch. I'm sorry, I'm going off. Um, because he wasn't here for any of my bullshit. Okay. He just wasn't gonna happen. Mm. Um, and I tried. Like, I, I mean, listen, I tried. I was like, you're going to get this bullshit. Yeah. Like, come on with it. Everybody else has been signing up for this bullshit. Your turn. Okay. Um, and he just wasn't here for it. Hmm. And it wasn't on some, like, you're wrong, you're bad. It was just some, hey, that's how you do things. This is how I do things. We don't have to do things together, hmm. but I'm not changing. Yeah. And it became more and more of a, um, okay, I don't think I want him to change. Yeah. And if I do want, the things I do want him to change 
we can navigate those things, but I don't want to not be with this person. Yeah. And it wasn't in the, because I've been in desperate love. Mm -hmm. It wasn't desperate love. Yeah. It was my soul needs this. Yes. I don't want to not be with this. Because mm -hmm. even in all of my bullshit and even in all of my, when I met him, it was a, a time of just like weirdness. Mm -hmm. And even in all of that, my soul knew like, girl, girl, not going to mess this one up. Like uh. you can't because we need this. Like it's not just you. Like we need this. Yeah. And so when he wasn't here for my bullshit, it just made me confront like, why is that so important to me? Yeah. So it would make me ask myself questions like, why is that one thing so important to me? Yeah. Or, and then if I could come up with a reason, because sometimes I came up with reasons why it was so important to me. Yeah. If I could come up with a reason why it was so important to me, I was then in a space after reflecting on it where I could have an adult conversation with him huh. and be like, this is why these things are important to me. I need you to get on this same page with me about this thing. When you had those adult conversations with him, how did they turn out? Did he, was he on board to changing those things? Was it different for him because you thought about it more? Um, eight out of 10 times he was on board. Okay. Now, there were some times he was like, hell no, not doing it. You sound crazy. I don't know what you've been over there thinking about, but the shit is still crazy. <laughs> not doing it. Okay. Um, and that's like the real of it. I want people to know that because when I say like, oh, he's my soulmate yeah. and all this stuff, it doesn't mean that he's perfect or I'm perfect. Yeah. There are still days now that we have to have an adult conversation yeah. and we have to like really see one another's perspective. Yeah. Um, most of the things though that were super important to me became important to him. Hmm. Hey Selfish Babe, so in this podcast interview, I lost a, a good about five to seven minutes. I'm not sure what happened. At the end of this, my battery had died. And so now we're going to skip to the part where Siobhan discusses marriage, which is actually really, really good. So thank you for continuing to listen or watch. Just want to let you guys know if it like just jumps, it jumps because my battery had died shortly after. And then also I thought I still had that footage, but I don't. So sorry thank you like i was saying marriage doesn't equate love so like and i just want to pause and say this real quick because i know i don't have this thought but i know that there's a lot of women that have this thought it's like you know the uh the check markers okay i have this job by here i have kids by here and i have marriage by here so it's a check mark check mark off my life and so for me it's like a lot of women are like in relationships where they are rushing towards marriage because they think that that is ultimately going to be the best that that's it once i get married this this is wonderful like it's like a check it's a trophy kind of thing and so i'm glad that you said that marriage does not equate love why did you say that um because it doesn't i mean that's just a fact yeah. um for me i have a different perspective now yeah just to be honest on what sustains a long-lasting relationship be it a marriage a life partnership you know a long relationship um i don't think love sustains a relationship um, a commitment to one another that these are the promises we've made to one another and this is what we're going to do together is what sustains a relationship. Okay. Because love is an emotion. Hmm. And like all emotions, you don't stay mad forever. And the fact is you do not stay in love, in love forever. Okay. Okay. You love a person. You can love a person forever. Yeah. But that feeling of like Eros love. Where it's just, you're just hot and heavy yeah. and I just can't think of anything but this person. Yeah. That fades. Hmm. And it comes a time where you're like, even on the days I don't like him, even on the days he's getting on my nerves, mm -hmm. even on the days he is pressing that button, 
we've made a commitment to each other and these are the things that we've committed to do so I'm going to push through and we're going to do those things okay. and then you get back to that love okay and then maybe you fall out of it you know and everybody's cycles are different but I just was refusing to base my entire life on an emotion yeah because love is an emotion it's a feeling hmm. and after your feelings then what yeah and that's why I kept asking myself you feel like this what and there just wasn't enough after the what for me to base my entire life on an emotion. Mm. And so it became more about like, what are we committing to do for our families? Yeah. Um, and not just the children we make, but what are we committing to do for your mother, my mother, our extended family? Family is super big for me. Yeah. What are those promises? What are those promises we're making to one another about what we're going to do in our businesses yeah. so that we can live a certain type of life that we want to live? We've stayed committed to those things. Yeah. Even on the days where he's like, yo, don't say another word. Like, don't say anything else. It doesn't change any of the other commitments. Hmm. And so I, I just was like, hmm. The word love or the thought, and this is funny, this is right before Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> the thought of, oh, it's got to be this undying love. Yeah. I've, I've seen people be madly in love. We've all seen the people that get married in like 30 days. It's a running joke when I was young that like I'd be that person yeah. that would get married in 30 days. And I would have been had I gotten married before. Um, and then we see those people that have been married 55 years. Yeah. And I know a couple in particular. I won't say who they are because they haven't given me permission to. <laughs> but I know a couple that has been married almost 56 years. Wow. And some days she cannot stand it. I mean, like, she doesn't like who he's involved into. Hmm. But she cooks for him every single day. He watches her leave every day. Like, she still works because she wants to, not because she has to. Yeah. He watches her leave every single day for work. Okay. And if she's not back by a certain time, he's in that window looking for her. <laughs> um, and to me, that was about the commitment they made to each other mm -hmm. and not about the romantic love that they were in mm -hmm. when they got married 56 years ago. And they still, every day, as you have pointed out, are continuing to make that commitment because what their actions show it that they're Every still day. committed to the commitment. Every day, and that's that's the thing you've said it. You hit it right on the head. Committed to the commitment. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the emotions of this person. Mm. And so for me, I was like, girl, you can't base an entire life on an emotion. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I came to it. Mm. Yeah. So getting back with your father now. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, at one point, did you end up seeing him in your adult life? Mm -hmm. When was that? Mm -hmm. um, I saw him. Gosh, how old was I? Late twenty. Okay. And when you had seen him for the first time, how was that? Um, that's emotional, but not over ten years, right? Right. Emotional, but not. Um, yeah, that was like uh, more than 15 years actually. Um, you, parts of you, and I, I've said this before to people, parts of you die. Hmm. And there are parts of you that um, you just can't access anymore. Hmm. And so it's emotional just because I am emotional. Um, but not because there are parts of me that are so cut off from that that I can't have a lasting, like agonizing, pulling, tugging about it. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad. 
<laughs> but um, I have I, I know that it developed in me even outside of relationships a cutoff spirit. Hmm. I have like, a strong like, cutoff spirit. Okay, like I found like you like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Not even if I don't like you. Yeah. Um, it's just in me to never speak to a person again, and it has nothing mm -hmm. to do with we had an argument or we fell out or this person did that. No, it is just in me to never speak to a person again. Okay. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. Yeah. It can just simply be like, no, I just never called them again and they never called me and I'm in this just And that was just that. Like I have it into me. I'm not a person that ever needs closure. Yeah. And I think that comes from that experience because mm -hmm. there was no closure to be, to be had in that experience. And so now I'm not a person that ever needs closure. I can mm -hmm. just literally never speak to a person again. Okay. So do you feel like after seeing your dad in your adult life, like, would you say that that helped with healing from not seeing him for all those years? Do you feel, how do you feel about it now? Do you feel like, I'm okay? Like, you know? There's such an indifference there. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure some people watching would be like, oh, she hasn't healed from it. Um, but I don't feel that way. Yeah. Um, now, whether that is, a universal truth or not I'm not sure but it's my truth yeah I don't feel that way um I don't feel like the opposite of love is hate I feel like the opposite of love is indifference so because right love right and hate are so close yeah so I'm just so indifferent to it yeah that um yeah I don't know that I have anything to garner from it with regard to healing yeah I think that um I did the healing work whether I wanted to or not <laughs> I did the healing work on my own. Yeah. So seeing him wasn't part of the healing work. Got it. I like that. Uh, sometimes we don't need to see the person to heal. And so I like that perspective because it still puts the responsibility of healing onto the person. Because mm -hmm. some people are like, oh no, I need to do this and this and this and then I'll heal. Or they have to say this to me and then I'll heal. Like they have to give me the apology. You know, and sometimes you may never get that apology. So it's like now where's the responsibility of your own personal responsibility and you moving forward in your life. And, um, okay. So, in terms of right now, relationship-wise with your dad, relationship, not really a relationship, just kind of there? Um, for another podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. um, those that know, know, uh, okay. but no, there is not a relationship, but for a very specific reason. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. <laughs> now, I definitely, wanted to have Siobhan on today because we're having a conversation about relationships and over breakfast we were talking about like how personally in this day and age if somebody you know walks into the room like say you're at a I don't know networking event just some event and you walk into the room a lot of people are going to be on their cell phones right because they're waiting for the event to start they're waiting for the thing they're waiting for the things to happen <laughs> and so it's just like okay let me be on my phone because I'm waiting and they could be in a chair sitting amongst a lot of other women or men and they're not going to say anything to each other because they don't really feel like they have to because you're like oh well they don't feel like they, they have to speak to one another right mm -hmm. but you were saying that well speaking to one another is important and I wanted you to kind of like share with our selfish babes like why is that because I know that I can't be like that I can go to an event I'm on my phone and I want to wait for the event to start because I know for me I'm usually like that I like to hear what other people have to say for me to be like, oh, well, they seem interesting. I want to get to know them. And I know it can sound the way, rather than like, oh, well, give them the chance to get to know. How about you ask them questions? I'm learning, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. It's new for me, these type of you know, relationship things. But that's primarily how I go about it. So tell us why you know, speaking to people, I guess, is important. 
So you just said, um, you just said the key. Okay. You're waiting for the thing to happen. Okay. Sometimes speaking to a person is the thing. Hmm. You just had, you were just brought to that person by way of that event. Um, that event may have nothing to do with the thing. Hmm. And so that's why it's so important. Um, outside of that, that goes deeper, but outside of that, like, it's just nice to walk into a room <laughs> with people you did not sleep with and say hello. <laughs> like, y'all don't have to have, like, this type of interaction. You don't have to tell them, like, oh, my daddy went to prison. I'm so sad. Yeah. Like, you don't have to say any of that, but yeah. just a simple, hey, y'all. Like, or just, hi, everyone. Like, I walk into my office, yeah. and I don't, inter I don't have to interact with everyone in my office, but I say good morning to everyone as I walk down mm -hmm. the hall every single morning because I didn't sleep with those people. Yeah. And it's just, for me, it's just a good tone. And you don't have to have a conversation beyond that. But to me, it just sets a different communal tone. Hmm. And I think that so often now with social media, we work in such silos and we move in such silos. And even when we're at these events, yeah. we're together, we're all saying the same affirmations, we're all chanting and stuff like that. But after that, how many people do you really just keep in touch with? Hmm. Or how many people would you see again on the street and speak to again? Or hmm. you know what I mean? So, and a lot of times, I know off camera you were saying you were at an event that was making you feel bad about your business. So you weren't at that event for that because you weren't getting anything from that. Yeah. But there might have been someone to your left or to your right yeah. that was the thing. Hmm. So you just never know when the thing is. And sometimes we miss the thing yeah. by not opening our mouth. That's true. So like, okay, so let's say for the shellfish babies that are like, well, I'm shy. Like, what do I talk to people about? So give us, so let's say, let me, give the, let me set the tone. Y'all are not shy. Where at? Y'all are not shy. Okay, shy until we get to know you. Y'all are on Instagram <laughs> naked. And you're like, I'm shy. Like, I just saw your, <laughs> I just saw you see you next Tuesday. Girl, you're not shy. Okay, so let's say you're at a women's networking event. That's two tips. Women's okay. networking event. You're there, the event doesn't stop for another 15 minutes, but it's a packed room, they're waiting for the thing. But the thing could be the person next to them. Right. So now you're sitting in between two women. Right. You just got into your seat. What is the way that you think this is how, this would be such a great thing for you to do because the thing or the blessing could be right next to you. So what, how, take us through that. Say hi. <laughs> it's red <really> girls, <laughs> ladies, women, children, babies. <laughs> You walk up because you like I mean you walk up, you say hi. Or say if you're seated first. Okay. When they walk up, look at them say and hi. say hi. Yeah. Because you know what? You guys already have common ground because you're both at the same event. True. There's already common ground. True. So it's not a stranger. True. But we're we're on Instagram to total strangers talking about more. But then women that we know for a hundred percent fact we have common ground with, we won't even speak to. Hmm. That, that's not, hmm. right. That has nothing to do with shyness. That has nothing to do with shyness. Hey, hi, hola. Any of those will do, hello, what up? Any of those will work. Okay, okay, so we're just gonna- Know your audience. Okay, okay. I like that, so we'll say hello and then possibly start a conversation. Oh, I brought you here, something like that. Right, because if you're at, Think about it. Women that are at retreats or marketing events or something like that, they have some interests that mirror your interests. It might not be the same exact, you know, um, 
business yeah. or it may not you may not be looking for the same healing or whatever it is but something about you is calm or yeah. similar if you will yeah so even if you don't want to strike up a conversation because I can get that my mom is painfully shy she will say hello and then if you don't talk to her she'll never speak to you okay. <laughs> um so I get that part but even just saying hello yeah it lets you know that there's a level of acknowledgement yeah. And if we are at these retreats together, and if we are at these symposiums or events or whatever, acknowledge the woman that is there. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because we're saying, oh, we're for women, and girl, get your stuff together and all this stuff, but then we won't even acknowledge each other. Hmm. Where is the, the community in that? Yeah. And so just even on a basic level, just yeah. saying to another woman, I acknowledge you. Yeah. Or having another woman acknowledge you back. Yeah. On a very basic level, small things like that change people. I like that a lot. Um, for me, when you're giving the example of, okay, we're at an event and somebody's walking up or I'm about to sit down and just saying hello, I think it's like, because you had mentioned communal, I think it's more so like, okay, they said hello to me. Okay, well, maybe I, like, I'm more open to talking to them. Like, I feel like it kind of, it, cr it kind of cracks the door. It, cra it cracks the door a little more open. And then if you saw them walking around and you guys say, oh, did you enjoy the speaker? Like, you are more prone to speak to them more. Right. I like that. Or you hear a key, you'd be like, did you hear that? Like, it yeah. starts to build that. Okay, I like that. Yeah. So then now, let's say that we wanted to move forward and maybe we like, oh, we had a conversation. How would you... What would, you, would be, what would be your advice on continuing building a relationship? Sure. Start light. Okay. You know, don't be like, oh, you want to come spend the night at my house? Like, start light. Yeah. Like, hey, I really enjoyed this. You seem super cool. Obviously, we have some things in common. Are you open to tea? Like, do you want to grab tea somewhere, okay. you know? Or do you want to meet me on the belt line one day? You yeah. know, just something really light and something that allows you guys to have conversation. Hmm. So you can invite them to another event. That'll be fine. But have something that opens a conversation yeah. in a very comfortable space. Yeah. I always say that, like, when I'm getting to know people, especially, like, friends or, like, friends that eventually turn to, like, a sisterhood, mm -hmm. um, I like to have that one-on-one -on -one time. Yes. Because I can't say, oh, let's go to this other event, but it really doesn't allow me to dive deeper, I like to say, to kind of really get to know you, like how you grew up, or just like things that you like. And so I like just like having that one-on-one -on -one time to like talk and really get to know you. Um, I When I first moved here to Atlanta, I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like it could take like six, seven, eight, nine, ten months to really get to know somebody, and I didn't like that. And I'm gonna tell you why, because it's just like, okay, let's go do this. And then like, I don't know, it just didn't felt like, it didn't feel like I got much of their essence, right? So for me, I like to like really get to know people, like on a super deep level. Like tell me all your shit. Tell me all your shit, I'll tell you all my shit. I'm gonna tell you all my shit first. Right. And then you share as much shit as you wanna share. I'm not, right. I never force people to, to say whatever they want, but I do that because it's like, I do wanna know how you grew up. I want to know how your how your relationships are with your parents or not or lack of relationship. I want to know where you're at right now in your life. Do you have goals, plans, and dreams? You know, what are you doing right now? I like those things because for me, I'm just like, okay, I, I get a, a, a greater picture of who you are or who you're growing to be, mm -hmm. and I think that we can connect more on these levels. Mm -hmm. And so now, like back in the day, I say back in the days of last year, like back in the day, when I, I was really like I was really like searching for friends, and so. I would go have these friend dates, really get to know people, but I would really be open, like, with my life, you know, and, and some women were like, oh, wow, like, 
they felt okay for them to share their lives. They felt like they could have friends they met and those friends they met knew nothing of this for, and they knew each other for two years. And I don't, I don't know if it's because the space wasn't created or what the type of conversations are when they're together, but I used to think, dang, Vanessa, you must be super weird. Like, is it weird to want to get to know another woman on a deeper level and have like a stronger bond? And I really, like, I really felt like that. And I thought, wow, is something wrong with me? Like, do these do women just not want to connect like that? But I've grown to be so understanding that this is just how I am, mm-hmm. and I naturally want a deeper connection. So that's just what I show up as now. So now I'm okay with myself to show up in that way. So now I'm like, okay, other women are able to share with me whatever they want to share, and if we continue to um, share together in energy, I like to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we both feel like it's even, like, you know, like she's giving, I'm giving, taking give. Then we can grow into a sisterhood because what I've learned is that I'm not, I wasn't necessarily looking for friends, I was, I was looking for sisterhood. Mm-hmm. And that's way on a deeper level, that's stronger mm-hmm. than just friendship. And so, uh, for the selfish babe that is listening, whether you are looking for more women, sisterhood, and friendships, I do agree with Siobhan that we do have to speak to each other more, that we do have to acknowledge each other more. And now I can see in my mind how it's like, yeah, saying that hello just opens the door, for cracks it open for something greater, and you may not have known that. And it's very true that if we're at these certain events, there must be something in common, right? Something in common. And so I agree that we can talk to each other more, we can say hello, we can look up from our cell phones, Hey, hi, how you doing? Oh, girl, I really like that dress. That's so cute. Where'd you get it from? The compliments, you know, it's always good. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I am like a compliment fiend. Like, the minute I see a woman, I am finding something to tell her how great it is. Because that. just, for me, words are so powerful. Hmm. And the minute I see a woman, and I know, like, she looked in the mirror today, and she was like, I'm cute. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to affirm this. She is cute. Yes, girl. You're so cute. Yes. Or if I see a woman who I'm like, she didn't think she was cute today, but her hair is so cute. Yeah. So I'm never going to be phony about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, but I'm going to be like, your hair is so nice. And it changes things. Hmm. Yes. Why did you think, why did you feel like for you that's important for you to do? Um, I think it's something that me and my mom started. Okay. Yep. Um, my mom, that's my baby. Aww. For sure. Um, and so as a little girl, I mean, this is nothing she taught me. It literally just came from my little mouth. Um, I used to always ask her, was I pretty? And so when I would get dressed, I'd be like, am I pretty? Yeah. And she'd be like, yes, baby. And I'd be like, am I prettier than you? Hmm. Because I thought she was like the most gorgeous thing. And I thought that she had it all together. So if I was prettier than her, oh my God, she'd be like, baby, of course. And I just remember how that made me feel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I can give anybody that by just like telling them like, I love those shoes or yeah. hello gorgeous or hello beautiful or something like that. I greet all of the women in my office like that. Even if I know they're having a terrible day, I'm like, good morning beautiful, hello, because their outer appearance doesn't make them beautiful or gorgeous or anything like that. And so I think it literally came from like my four year old self. That's my first experience of like remembering mm-hmm. that with my mom, that mm-hmm. exchange. Yeah. And I was like, this feels great. Yeah. And I want other people to feel great. I remember seeing a video, and it was on Instagram, I think it was Tammy Rivera, and she had made a video kind of similar just about, but it was a little different. It was more so like women and being genuine with another woman and, and really having that, that um, common love for one another. Mm-hmm. Because she would say that, you know, uh, sometimes in her interactions with women, women could be a little 
um, like competitive with each other. Yes. And she would feel like, you know, people would automatically have this competitive thought about her without her even saying anything. And so now when she does see another woman and it's like, hey, beautiful, hey, lovely, oh, you're looking good. Like she automatically starts it like that. And she said she did that. So it's kind of like, I want to say the way I think about it in my head, it's like the fences are down, the guns mm -hmm. are down. It's like, oh, oh, she's really nice. It's like, oh, oh, wow, she's acknowledging me that they acknowledge me, right? And so it's like, it makes the woman feel seen. And that's really important, I think, in our society for women to feel seen. And so when you had mentioned it, I was like, I remember Tammy saying that. And I'm like, wow, that's a thing. But you know, when you were talking about your mom and you had asked, well, are you prettier? Am I prettier than you? My initial thought was, as a mom, would I say yes? Or would I say, well, why is that important? And for mm -hmm. me, I would say the other. I would be like, well, hey, baby, why, why is it important for you to be prettier than me? Right. And I get your um, how you're saying your mom is like the, the most beautiful woman in the world. But for me, I'm like, hmm, but why did, did she act prettier than me? Is that, like for me, I, I would have been like, it, does that make you better? Like, this is just me. Right, like, no, I agree. I'm like, does, does she think that? So, hmm. So right. when you said that, I was like, okay. I get like the compliments and stuff, but I, that was my initial thought was like, if my daughter asked me that, like, how would I? I agree, and I think that each generation evolves. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know that my mom had the tools to be like, hmm, what, how is she doing this? Me and my mom look exactly alike. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for me and my four-year-old mind, it had a lot to do with that. Like when mm -hmm. I look at my mom's face, I see my face, and I mm -hmm. think she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So like, am I prettier than you? And I don't know where in my four-year-old mind I came up with that, but yeah. that was my thing. Like, okay, first tell me I'm pretty, <laughs> then tell me I'm prettier than you, and then we can leave this house in this dress that I want to wear every day. I love that. Okay. So I know when I was talking today, you were talking about um, numbers. And I just really wanted Siobhan to share about her thing with numbers and like what that means to her, because I know that there are selfish babes that are exploring so many other things, and um, numerology is really big for you. And I just kind of want you to explain, like, well, what is that, and like, why? Like, why was that? I mean, of course, you connected with it, but like, mm -hmm. what does it do for you? Um, I find a grounding in numbers. Hmm. Okay. So, numbers are grounding for me because. No matter what my spiritual practices are, numbers are numbers. Mm -hmm. I can't, I could go online right now and find support for any religion I wanted to be or didn't want to be. Any spiritual practice I wanted to be a part of or didn't want to have, I could find a support for it. Yeah. I can't find anything that can come up against the number. Mm -hmm. Nobody can say, that one plus one doesn't equal two. True. You can't ever say that, no matter how much you want to. So for me, when I came to that realization, I was like, the truth has to be in the number. Mm. Because there's no there's no alternative to mm. this number. Mm. An eight can't be a nine. Yeah. An eight can only be an eight. Yeah. So when I came to that, um, and I didn't find numerology on my own. I found numerology, um, surprisingly enough, at a party. Okay. Um, a woman was there who um, I love and admire so much, um, Brandy Harvey. Mm -hmm. And she, um, at the time, was super heavy into numerology. I'm not sure if she still follows the practice now. Um, and she just started doing like numerology readings, if you will, for everyone. She started like doing our numbers and getting our life path. And I was like, yes! <laughs> and I think it had so much to do with 
the delivery hmm. and the vessel for which the I think I would always came to numerology but I think it stuck because I had such a respect and admiration for her yeah that I was like well, she does it and if numbers are real yeah this has got to be it yeah. and then I just kind of delved into it and so now all day long I just add numbers hmm. and I don't even think about it I see a number and I add it and it's I add license plates I add addresses yeah. numbers I see anywhere I just add them it's yeah. just in me now so if I'm looking for a certain thing, like say like if I'm looking for a home, whatever I want out of that home, I look for that number. Hmm. And if that number isn't there, it sounds kooky. But if that number isn't there, it really isn't the house for me. Why do you look for a number and what does that number, what could that number represent for you? So like when I was single, I was looking for an 11, which breaks down to a two or a two because two is a number of partnerships. Hmm. So I couldn't be in a house of one because then it would have been all about me. And oh. so it would have been a great time for me. I would have progressed and done a lot of things, but I had to let the universe know that I was open to partnership and I needed to be in a space of partnership. And is that because you knew about what the number two represented yes. and the energy around it? See, that's yes. very important. Yes. So what she's saying is that numbers have energy and they, they represent something. Like a 100%. lot of things have energy. So it's like if she's looking for the two like she had mentioned, that the energy is partnerships. And so for her, she was like, yes, I'm single in this moment, but I am affirming to the universe that I want partnership. And so I'm going to look for a house that has two because I'm showing the universe I am open to partnerships. 100%. Um, so if I'm looking to be in a place of, hey, I really want my business to go, you know, bigger, further, I want more money, I want more abundance, I'm always looking for an eight. I'm in the eight, y'all. Yes, she is. <laughs> so I walked in and I was like, this is an eight, you're going to make a lot of money as long as you stay here. This is an eight. Um, I have a life path of an eight. Mm -hmm. So I am attuned to eights all the time. If I need like peace and grounding and stability, I'm looking for a six. You know, um, if I want to be more in tune with my intuition or spirituality, I'm looking for a seven. Mm -hmm. um, if I feel like I'm coming to the end of some type of cycle, I'm looking for a nine. Mm -hmm. um, so just things like that. Like, I just, the energy behind the numbers 100%. I think sometimes, and I know most of our selfish babes are vibrating where we are. Mm -hmm. um, but I think sometimes when you talk to people about energy and vibrations and stuff like that, it's like, uh, what are you doing? Yeah. But if I tell a person an A can never be a nine, yeah. and you can never refute that, rebut that, anything, they can see a difference. Yeah. So it's not mystical if you're not into that thing. It's not you know esoteric if you're not into that. But an A can never be a nine. Yeah. And so for me, that's what I can never do. I was gonna say for those that have more of an analytical mind, that's perfect. That's the perfect example because they're like they're looking for facts. So this is like hardcore facts. So um, I think that's like the perfect example to give to a friend or somebody that, you know, you want to like maybe share a little bit more of what you're doing and you kind of want to share your perspective, but you want to share it in a way that they're going to understand better. So actually, I really like that example. But I want to just thank Siobhan so much for being here today thank and you for talking to all my selfish babes. I do want her to talk a little bit about um, Pretty Girl TV. Um, Pretty Girl Problems. Pretty so, Girl Problems. Yep. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, Pretty Girl Problems is a character development and um, leadership program for girls. Um, character building, leadership development, girls, elementary school through college. And we're in schools. We have a um, social intelligence curriculum that yeah. starts as early as elementary school. Um, we're helping college girls start businesses um, and really just build a community with one another. 
Um, I named it Pretty Girl Problems for a very specific reason. It had nothing to do with um, looks, really. Yeah. I wanted to, if I just got a bunch of teenage girls and I was like, I am going to develop your character and build your leadership skills, they'd have been like, bye. <laughs> um, so I had to get a name that would draw them in. Yeah. And that literally what it, how it started. I would be on Instagram. Yeah. And this is when I was super heavy on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram anymore. Um, but it would be at a time where I just wanted to be on Instagram even if I felt like I didn't look like I should be on it. This is before like Facetune and all of that. Um, and so I would like take a picture of myself with the flu and I just want people to like say, oh, get better. So I'd take a picture of myself with the flu and then I'd be like, hashtag pretty girl problems. And so <laughs> from there I was like, I am going to, I always wanted this program and I was like, I'm going to name the program this yeah. because it'll draw the girls in. Yeah. And once I have you in and I start teaching you and I start giving you these tools that have been given to me, okay, most of you are gonna stay. Yeah. But if I, if I call it like girls leadership camp, I'm like, nope. No, thank you. I see what you're saying. That makes sense. Right. So that's how I started the name. Um, and then PGP Productions mm -hmm. is a part of it. Um, I'm a film and television producer. I want to give women and girls a seat at the table like it was given to me. And so that's how PGP Productions was an offshoot of Pretty Girl Pop. Wonderful. So is this just based in Atlanta? No. No, 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 no. So um, we are... I want to say nationwide, but I don't think I think that kind of makes it sound bigger than what it is. Um, we have been up and down the East Coast. Okay, right. So, so if you want to learn more information, you could go to theprettygirlproblem.com. Ooh, thank you so much. For <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Hey, beautiful. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Selfish Babe Selfish Talk podcast. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way and you think that it could be impactful to a girl or a woman that you know, definitely send this episode to her. Also, make sure to download our Selfish Babe app to receive self-love inspirational messages throughout your day found in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. You can also head over to our website, SelfishBabes.com, to join the community. Follow at SelfishBabes with an S on Instagram. Or you can also follow me on Instagram at OlenigayLC. I affirm that you have an amazing day. I will connect with you on the next episode. And I love you. Mwah.